Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of correspondents from around the world. Among the hunk coming up in this edition, leaders from African countries are attending a summit with Russia, with food exports to Africa expected to be high on the agenda. Typhoon Doxuri has made landfall in the Philippines, killing at least one person. And senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi has called for addressing global security challenges with BRICS countries. We begin in Europe. Leaders from African countries are attending a summit with Russia in Saint Petersburg. Russia is accusing Western countries such as the United States and France of pressuring the leaders not to go. Meanwhile, Russia says it will not return to the Black Sea grain deal until its demands are met, and efforts from the United Nations have not yielded results that Moscow desired. Dasha Chenishova reports. The Kremlin says Western countries do not accept the sovereign right of African states to independently determine their partners. The Kremlin said the Russian president plans to meet every leader attending the event. More than 40 African leaders gathered for the last summit in 2019. Meanwhile, the Kremlin insists it cannot return to the Black Sea grain deal until Russia's interests are honored. And Moscow says a recent proposal by UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres failed to address that. Russian Security Council Secretary Nikolai Patrushev said on Tuesday that sanctions against Moscow threatened catastrophic consequences for the global food market. He urged the removal of what he called the West's illegitimate obstacles to Russian business. In other news, the Russian lawmakers approved legislation that raises the maximum age at which men can be conscripted from 27 to 30. It means that starting next January, men 18 to 30 will be subjected to compulsory one-year military service. That was Dasha Chenishova with the latest from Moscow. Russia says discussions on Moscow's grain and fertilizer exports are on the agenda at the Russia-Africa summit. It is hoping to ship the products to Africa and strengthen cooperation with the continent. Isabel Nakiria reports from Moscow. The second Russia-Africa summit is expected to discuss ways and means of how Moscow can push bigger volumes of exports to Africa. Russian President Vladimir Putin says Africa will not go hungry and commits to sending food both on a commercial and free-of-charge basis. The volume of grain that the poorest countries received, and I repeat, this is a little over 3%, we will be ready to deliver to the poorest countries free of charge. Global food prices have escalated due to the conflict in Ukraine. The collapse of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which allowed Ukraine grain to be exported out, has worsened the situation. With a bumper harvest expected this year, Russia says it's able to replace all the grain coming from Ukraine, but it accuses the West of limiting its capacity to supply the poorer nations by not meeting its demands. Russia says restrictions have made it harder for its traders to process Russian payments or obtain vessels and insurance. But the summit brings hope with support from African leaders to ease existing tensions. The new possibilities for Russia to break the situation concerning the sanctions and grain is a very important item which can be included into this new agreements. The UN World Food Programme warns millions are going hungry in the Horn of Africa. 
But experts argue that Africa should be able to strengthen its food systems and stop relying on relief support. 65% of our land is arable. Our farmers are able to produce what is required, what we are importing. We have enormous substitutes for those products we import from the rest of the world, but we've been, we've been frustrating our smallholder farmers in terms of market access requirement, in terms of not providing the right uh, inputs, including seeds and fertilizers. The summit at St. Petersburg could be an opportunity for trade to grow between Africa and Russia. That was Isabel Nakeria reporting. Still in Europe, parts of the continent are facing threats from extreme weather. Storms have killed two people in northern Italy as the southern part of the country bakes under a heat wave that has sparked wildfires. Mountain specialists and an Air Force helicopter have rescued 15 people isolated by the fires in Sicily. French authorities say nearly 100 firefighters battled a blaze near the Nice International Airport, and the flames in Portugal are quickly spreading just outside Lisbon. In Greece, the wildfires on three islands have killed three people, including two pilots of a firefighting plane that crashed on Tuesday. Meanwhile, authorities have detained two people on Rose Island on suspicion of arson. Evangelo Sipsis has more. There's a number of helicopters, even military helicopters are above our heads, putting down, uh, throwing water on the fire behind me, trying to put it out. But unfortunately, these high winds are uh, fanning the, uh, the resurgence of the fire and it's just creating a larger fire front. We're talking about a front right now that is close to 10 kilometers. Well, two people have been taken into custody here on the island of Rhodes. Two people that are not, uh, don't have a Greek passport. There are foreigners. They were seen wandering around in a forest area with gasoline in bottles in their backpacks. They're apprehended by locals, then given to the authorities. They are in, in custody right now, being questioned by the authorities. Uh, they're trying to figure out whether they're the ones who have perhaps put one of these wildfires that are breaking out on the island. But also on the island of Corfu, the mayor of Corfu, but also the Civil Protection Unit has said that they're most definitely 100% actually sure that the fire that is burning through the northern part is uh, an arson. Just to give you the how uh, important that is, the, even the prime minister was uh, discussing about it, saying that the country is at war, in quotations, at war. And uh, the anti-terror unit is even on the ground in Corfu investigating and questioning people about the wildfire. That was Evangelo Sipsis on the severity of the wildfires in Greece. Still on weather and in Asia, Typhoon Doksuri has killed at least one person in the Philippines as it continues to batter the country with rain and strong winds. Authorities say the victim drowned in a flood east of Metro Manila. At least two others are injured in typhoon-related incidents in other regions. Doksuri has displaced nearly 9,000 people across the Philippines and stranded thousands more. Gretchen Malalad has more from Manila. Super Typhoon Doksuri was downgraded to a typhoon category by the Weather Bureau early morning as it made landfall on the northern tip of Luzon Island. But even with the downgrade, Typhoon Doksuri still brings violent conditions, according to the Weather Bureau. Signal number four and five level from the five-level weather system is up in several provinces. Here in Manila, where signal number one is hoisted, it has been raining, several roads are flooded, knee-deep. We have also been experiencing strong winds. 
Islands and several trees around the metro have been uprooted. As of this time, the typhoon is plummeting through the province of Cagayan. Thousands of residents there are evacuation centers. Power is out in some parts of the province and the local disaster unit of Cagayan province are now clearing uprooted trees along the highway. The government has been busy evacuating people in low-lying and coastal areas and many rivers have overflown because of heavy rains and now rescue operations are being conducted by the Philippine Coast Guard. They are evacuating residents living in towns that have been inundated with water up to chest deep. The government has also set up hundreds of evacuation centers. They have set up portable tents and they are providing thousands of families with food and shelter. There was scratch and malalage on the Philippines' response to Typhoon Doksuri. Turning to Africa, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi has called for joint efforts to address global security challenges. While attending a BRICS security advisors meeting in Johannesburg, South Africa, Wang called on member states and participating countries to build a fair and appropriate cyberspace. Sumitra Naidu has more. South Africa's minister in the presidency hosted a Friends of BRICS National Security uh, Advisors meeting with her BRICS security counterparts. Now, the NSA meeting concluded with calls for more collaboration on security, fighting terrorism, uh, peace protocols, and for unity. Ministers spoke of importance uh, of the importance of multilateralism and the threats of moving away from global cooperation on various issues of economic trade, climate, and security. China's senior diplomat Wang Yi spoke about establishing a fair and reasonable cyberspace, the importance of collaboration and the proposition of building an open and inclusive cyberspace, dismissing the notion of the Internet being a battlefield for engaging in a digital iron curtain. He also proposed opposing any form of scientific or cyber hegemony. He said that this should be a tool for global cooperation rather than conflict. He said cybersecurity is a major cornerstone of national security and urged developing countries to resolutely resist an arms race in cyberspace. That was Dimitri Naidu in Johannesburg. Elsewhere, calm has returned outside Israel's legislature after a mass protest. Demonstrators clashed with police over government reforms to the judiciary system. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has called the vote a necessary move. But protesters disagree and have vowed to keep fighting. Stephanie Freed reports from Tel Aviv. Relative calm in Israel after a night of chaos. Following a historic, unprecedented vote by Benjamin Netanyahu's government, a vote essentially giving the government more power, taking that power away from the country's courts. Those unprecedented scenes of chaos where protesters by the thousands nationwide took to the streets clashing with police who used water cannons against them. And these clashes lasted well into the night. The quiet now, they some say, is both sides, all sides, regrouping. The protesters say they're regrouping, trying to figure out what is their next strategy moving forward. The opposition as well, looking at their strategy. For his part, or for the part of the Netanyahu government, the ministers in his government promise there will be more laws like the one that passed. Um, how do the protesters respond to that? They're saying they're not going to quit. There was Stephanie Freed reporting. In South America, rates of dengue are rising globally as temperature rise helps the spread of the mosquito-borne disease. 
The World Health Organization is calling the world's fastest-growing tropical disease a pandemic threat. WHO figures show that the Americas have reported nearly three million cases so far this year. That's already more than the total number of 2.8 million in 2022. The bulk of the new cases came from Brazil, with over two million infections. Peru also reported nearly 200,000 cases. Dan Collins in Lima shares observations from WHO tropical disease expert Ramon Valuden. Peru is just one of the countries in South America facing a dengue epidemic as cases peak around the world. A perfect storm of hotter and wetter climactic conditions has helped mosquitoes, which spread the disease, multiply faster. The conditions have also helped the virus multiply within the insects' bodies. That has triggered a record peak in dengue cases in Peru and historic highs across South America. And the American region alone, for example, has reported about 2.8 million cases uh, and 1,280 deaths in 2022. But right now, they have almost touched the same figure. We have nearly three million cases there and almost equal number of deaths. Uh, covering a large number of countries, and the southern spread of the disease, especially in parts of Bolivia, Paraguay, and Peru, is a matter of concern. Last month, hospitals in Peru were overrun with dengue patients. I have just vomited blood. I have body pains, intense fever, and chills, muscle pain. I have been like this for two days now. The World Health Organization says half the population of the world is now at risk. From the virus, impacting some 129 countries, while the number of cases of the disease, fatal in fewer than one percent of them, has exploded. If you really look at the picture of the trends, in 2000 we had about half a million cases, and today we in 2022 we recorded over 4.2 million cases, which really shows an eightfold increase. And actually. This can be much higher as we get more and more accurate figures. The trend for dengue in 2023 is on track for four million plus, Velayudan says, but much will depend on the monsoon season in Asia. Cases registered by the WHO hit an all-time high in 2019, with 5.2 million cases. Beyond climate change, the WHO says other factors, including the increased movement of goods and people. More urbanization and poor sanitation are also fueling the increase in cases. There was Stan Collins in Peru. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Leaders from African countries are attending a summit with Russia in Saint Petersburg. Typhoon Doxuri has made landfall in the Philippines, killing at least one person. And senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi has called for addressing global security challenges. That concludes this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Wang Zhang. Thank you for listening.